Hello, and welcome to episode 9 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to talk about some new contracts that were handed out in the NFL, golf, more drama in the wide receiver market, and then get into my final what I would do mock draft of this season. The draft is only seven days away as of this recording, six days of posting. Let's get into it. Alright, so in this past week, there were three noteworthy contracts that I want to talk about. First is going to be Sammy Watkins signing a one-year $1.185 million deal with the Green Bay Packers. Um, Obviously, Sammy Watkins isn't what he was supposed to be coming out in 2014, number four overall pick, bounced around a bunch, but he's still a serviceable receiver who shows those flashes and should be a good number two there, which obviously... Green Bay needs a 1-2, maybe even a 3. So the fact that they're getting one of those holes right now I think is a really smart thing. That way you don't go into the draft with as many receivers you need to draft. Because before the Watkins deal, I would have I would have thought it made sense to grab with both your first-round picks, grab a wide receiver. Now it's like, okay, you don't need to spend both firsts on them. You can spend a first and a second, first and a third, something like that. Um, and then good deal for Watkins because he's going to be playing with Rodgers who is constantly lifting up these receivers and making them look better. Um, second, I want to talk about Stephon Gilmore signing a two-year, $20 million deal with Indy. Um, people act like Gilmore is, like, super old, washed up. Like, yeah, he dealt with injuries last year, but he's only, what, like, two, three years away from a, or removed from being defensive player of the year. He's 31 years old, which still isn't that crazy. He might be, let's see when he turns 32. Oh, so he'll turn 32 at the beginning of the season. But so that's, especially like defensive backs, they're able to stay pretty good for a minute, especially if they transition to more of a safety role. I don't know if he will be able to do that, but I don't think you should even have to really think about that uh, on this two-year contract. Like, um, Good deal for Indy. They're getting one of the top cornerbacks in the league still. For only $10 million a year when you just saw Denzel Ward we'll talk about get $20 million a year. I'm not saying Gilmore deserved anywhere near that, but I wouldn't have been surprised if Gilmore got between like 13 and 15. So the fact that they got him for 10, I think that's a good deal for Indy and then good deal for Gilmore too. He's going to play in a system that helps, that has helped like elongate a lot of careers in Gus Bradley's system. Uh, I feel like just from what I've seen, it's easier for older corners to play. We saw Richard Sherman excel in it all those years in Seattle um, last year Casey Hayward he had about bounce back season under it and now I'm expecting a similar thing under Gilmore we're, we're gonna be like oh yeah this is why he's one of the best corners um, probably gonna be playing a lot of like press cover three and match um, he is primarily a man corner so we'll see how Gus likes to tweak his system to allow for him to excel in there we'll see if it works for him but yeah I'm I'd be optimistic for both parties in that situation. And then Denzel Ward signed a five-year, $100.5 million contract, making him one of the, I think I'll put him at second highest paid, if not highest paid. Actually, no, yeah, yeah, I made him the highest paid cornerback in the league. Um, and yeah, it makes sense. He's still extremely young. I want to say like 25 years old. 24 years old. He turns 25. Okay, so he turns 25 on draft day. Um, when there's some cornerbacks in this class who are going to be coming out 23, 24 years old. So he's still going to be at the end of his prime, or at the end of this contract, he's still going to likely be in his prime 29 years old. That's when Gilmore won his defensive player of the year. Um, and he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, yeah, he's not the perfect corner, but I feel like if you go back... And if you're Cleveland, you make that pick all over again. You give this contract to him all over again. It's just consistency in the secondary, having a cornerback who is capable of this elite play and knows your system well, loves the city. So, yeah, great deal. And then good job on Dundell Ward becoming the highest paid corner. So the next topic I want to talk about is um, just going to be a really quick one. Uh, Capital One, the match, was announced. So that's what the golf has to do with. Um, this year it's going to be between Brady and Rodgers and Mahomes and Allen, and I just thought, thought that was cool. Like, they're choosing the two 
exciting old quarterbacks, Brady and Rodgers, Brady with all these rings, Rodgers with the MVPs and the more like physical ability. And then Mahomes. I feel like Mahomes is like the Brady in this situation of a bit older and already has his MVP, already has a Super Bowl ring. And then Allen's the young bug coming in with the craziest arm in the world and super athleticism. So I thought it was kind of funny. I, I see kind of parallels. Obviously, though, Mahomes is much more physically capable than Brady, but Brady's just Brady's just different, so that's why he gets all those wins. Um, probably won't watch. I'm not the biggest golf-watching guy, but I might just because I think those are two really good um, pairings. All right, and then the next topic of discussion I want to talk about is Debo Samuel. Um, it came out that he has requested a trade. He actually did tweet that the only people who know what's going on is, I believe it was his agent. It was a name I, I didn't know, so I'm assuming his agent and the 49ers and himself. But then he shortly deleted that after. Um, so I don't know what that was about. He's deleted all of his San Francisco stuff online, um, like not really affiliating with the team right now. And the reports are coming out that the money is fine that he's being offered in San Francisco. But he doesn't want to be used as this wide back anymore. Um, and I, if this is true, I can't blame him because you look at his production splits between the first half and second half of the season, and he actually has more yards in the first half when he was playing a primary re- receiver and only averaging like a couple touches a game. Um and then the second half of the season, when he started getting crazy amount of backfield snaps, his uh, production actually went down despite his touches going way up. So he's being less productive, and he's touching the ball more often, meaning he's being tackled more often. So just like a combination that wasn't exactly working. And However, it made the whole team gel a bit better. Like Obviously, the second half of the season, the 49ers got hot, their offense got really good, and they made the playoffs. So the dilemma here, if you're the 49ers, is, okay, Debo wants to be just a wide receiver. And that personally is better for him because he's going to get more yards and get injured less often, likely. However, when he was in this unique role, team didn't know how to stop him. And it also opened up things for the rest of your offense. And if you put Trey Lance in there, then things will be even more wide open. So... I think what you have to do if you're the 49ers is cut back a bit on how often you're putting him in the backfield, but still be like, hey, this worked for us. This made you one of the like most talked about names in the league. You're going to get plenty of money. We'll give you the $25 million a year that you want if we're going to be using this in your role, this role. But we'll put you out wide more. Like maybe, maybe limits so like, okay, can only take like, 10 snaps a game in the backfield unless he asks for more or something like I don't know entirely how that would work if if that's something you can put into a contract but just limit the amount of times that he's in the backfield so to keep him happy but you can't get rid of a talent like Debo like what he does the his ability to be a wide receiver and just win at the catch point run crisp routes like he's not the smoothest route runner he's not the biggest guy he's not the best wide receiver in the league but he's a well above average one and then once he gets his once he gets the ball in his hands he becomes one of the best running backs in the league so just that combination you want to keep that on your team it's a weapon that Kyle Shanahan knows how to use well and if Debo goes to another team there's always like okay is he still going to be Debo or is he going to be I don't know, I can't really think of another athlete in the league like Debo right now who he'd be, would be like a downgrade to, because I was going to say like A.J. Brown, but if he's A.J. Brown outside of um, San Francisco, then yeah, like, you want to trade for that. Um, So it's really interesting. I want to see what happens with this, because I don't think, I think both need each other. So it's kind of just weird that it seems like they're both kind of pushing apart right now. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to get into my final what I would do mock draft of this season. Next week I will be uploading on draft day right before um, in the morning. So if you want, you can watch it before the draft actually happens. My predictive mock. So what I think will happen. This will be the last one where I'm the GM where I'm like, okay, what is the thing that I think would best help this team if I was the one making the decision? So 
Starting off, as always, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars, selecting Aiden Hutchinson, the edge defender out of Michigan. Um, right now, there's a lot of talk about Trayvon Walker getting there, just because he has all this athletic upside, and he's just... If you compare his combine numbers to cornerbacks, he's like a average, maybe slightly below average, but he's like, okay, yeah, like, you, you put him at corner, and then you're like, oh, wait, this guy is like, what, 6'6", six, six, 270, something crazy like that. Um, six five two seven. Yeah, okay. But so you're like, oh wow, this is like, he's like an average athlete corner in a wide receiver's body or in a edge defender's body, like a big edge too. So you hear me say all this, and you're like, okay, then why isn't he the number one overall pick? Well, production also matters, and Aiden Hutchinson has that, and he has some of the like some crazy combine numbers too. Like, people are acting like just because he's this like he's been kind of set in stone as this number one overall pick that he doesn't have the same upside, but he's in the um, 95th percent. Uh, percentile for 20 yard dash or 20 yard shuttle and the 99th percentile in three cones those are two of the most important um combine drills when you're looking at okay how does this guy bend the edge how does he get around and he still put up 28 reps on the bench press he said 36 inch vertical so he's still explosive he's able to bend the corner like that yeah he didn't have the craziest 40 yard dash at 474 but he's got enough to get it done and he does have shorter arms at 32 inches, so you're a bit concerned about that. But he proved he can do it in college against elite competition. Georgia, people like to give the Georgia game as a reason not to draft him. But if anything, that kind of like, okay, like look at how much focus Georgia is putting into stopping Aiden Hutchinson because they don't they know that if they don't put all their effort into stopping him, he's going to take over the game. So that's what they did, chipping him, double-teaming him, um, running away from him every single play, like... You don't do that to a guy if you don't think he's this crazy talent, and that's what Aiden Hutchinson is. And then at number two overall, I'm actually going to go with Derek Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU. Um, this is what I had originally, but um, I was like, okay, let's try something else. I put last time I did a mock, I put Kyle Hamilton there, but I think it makes too much sense to go with Stingley. You want to have those two lockdown corners for years to come if you're um, – the Lions, and a lot of people want to put Ahmad Gardner as their cornerback one, and I don't blame them, but Derek Stingley, his best season is better than Ahmad's, and Stingley did this in the SEC as a 19-year-old. Yes, his last two seasons weren't as good, but you got to understand, he went through injury, he went through all this turmoil with coaches leaving, COVID, um, the best two best players on the offensive side left so it's like okay like we aren't going to be able to compete so you'll wonder if he's on this losing culture sort of a team is he going to be able to make it but i don't think the lions have a losing culture right now like yeah they have the number two overall pick but they have such a good culture that i think stingley should be able to buy in there and excel under um what's his name Dan campbell and aaron glenn their defensive coordinator former defensive back coach of new orleans i think this um, pair him up with uh, Ohio State guy from a couple years ago, their number three overall pick, and hopefully he's healthy there, Stingley's healthy. That's a lot of investment into two cornerbacks, but if it pays off and you have two of the most lockdown corners in the a division with Aaron Rodgers, I think that's just super important to have. All right, number three, I got Evan Neal going to the Houston Texans. Um, Evan Neal, I just think, is the best overall tackle in this class. He's not the best run defender or run blocker. He's not the best pass blocker, but I think he's the second best at both. And he's also just this behemoth of a man who carries 320 pounds like it's 280. He's just a physical, like, strong, fast. He, I think he'll improve in his pass blocking and his run blocking when he gets to the next level and pair him up, put him on right tackle. He's already played right tackle in Alabama. Put him at right tackle opposite of Laramie Tunchell and just best player available next. All right. 
So number four overall, I have the New York Jets selecting Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, a lot of Thibodeau stock is dropping right now, but then it also seems to be, since it dropped, I think it's also coming back up now. People are kind of like, okay, like this. He's kind of dropping because it's like, oh, he doesn't seem interested in football. He doesn't seem like he has other interests outside of it. Is he going to be all bought in? But so many, like, these are humans too. Like, they don't just have to be interested in one thing. Like, yeah, I'm really into football, but I also play guitar. I hang out with friends. I got other stuff going on too in my life. Just because he has other interests doesn't mean he can't also be an elite edge defender. And I think, I think the media is waking up to that. I think the teams knew that all along and they didn't really care maybe they were trying to like bash him to help him fall and if new york was the one doing this to make sure he falls past two and three then it works out perfectly for them they're going to get an elite edge rusher hopefully him carl lawson can come back healthy and then john franklin meyer playing inside outside um and then getting them some rest in between i think those three should make for a really good pass rush under um robert salah um you got to think, back when in San Francisco, Salah had all these first-round picks at on their defensive line, and that's why it was so productive. He was able to get the best out of talented players, and I think if Kayvon Thibodeau goes to New York, he'll be able to do the same thing there. And then on to the number five overall pick, the other New York team is going to be selecting Ike McQuanu, the tackle out of North Carolina State. Um, so I kind of was sitting here, okay, do you want to go with Iquanu, who has higher upside and is just a mauler in the run game also has some positional flexibility or do I want to go with Charles Cross who is the better pass protector but a complete question mark in the run game because he wasn't really asked to do that much at Mississippi State in the air raid Mike Leach offense um, so I thought okay even though Charles Cross is better at the more important thing I think New York especially the Giants would rather have Ike McQuanu because it likely he'll start at right tackle for them and just be this road grader making holes for Saquon, who struggled to stay healthy behind a poor offensive line. So, okay, let's upgrade that. Um, if he can struggles at all at tackle, you can throw him into guard. And Matt Peart, uh, third-round pick, I want to say, from a year or two ago, he can step in for right tackle. Or maybe that's just the best offensive line you put out, and that's like, okay, Ekim's really good at tackle and guard. However, Peart took a step forward, so let's put him at tackle and put Ekim at guard. Um, kind of like Kalecio Assembly has that positional versatility, but it's just going to be a nasty run blocker in either system. And so I just thought it made a lot more sense to go with Ike McQuanu, and that's a whole, at least one whole fix, maybe even two, if you keep Peer at right tackle fixed along your offensive line. Then we're going to go number six overall. The Panthers are going to grab Charles Cross. They need a pass-protecting left tackle. Um, he's the best one on the board remaining. He... Maybe the Panthers would go with him either way just because they don't really need this physical run blocking like they do um, for Christian McCaffrey, like they do for Saquon in New York because CMC is a lot more of like a um, inside zone and then also a pass catching back. So you're going to be getting him the ball in space or between the tackles. Um, not so much needed for what Ekem can do. Um, so number seven, I'm going to have New York Giants selecting Ahmad Gardner again or the New York Giants, again, selecting Ahmad Gardner. Um, yeah, right now there's all these rumors that Bradbury's going to be on the way out. Even if he's not on the way out this year, I feel like he's going to be gone in a year or two. Dory Jackson's good, but there's a reason why he's a first-round pick no longer on his original team. He struggled with injuries and consistency. Um, Gardner's not going to do that. Gardner, at least, hopefully not injuries, but he's one of the most consistent corners in this draft. Um, just a sticky press man corner. And... Um, New York could have either gone corner or edge rush here, and I figured, okay, go with the more. Who's better at what position? Amon Gardner, if it weren't for Stingley, would easily be the top corner in this class, and even with Stingley, it's a bit of a debate. Like, do you want more of that press man physical, um, get in your face and just, like, shut you out sort of type, or do you want the um, versatile guy who can play some slot, who can play his own off-coverage, press coverage, better ball scales, so it's kind of between those two is kind of just a flavor thing and the Giants don't really have a choice in this case but I don't think they're really complaining getting Sauce Gardner and then at 8 overall I have the Falcons selecting wide receiver Jameson Williams out of Alabama um, 
So I've seen more and more Jameson Williams being the first wide receiver off the boards, and I agree with that. Like, I think in my last mock draft, I am going the first one to New York Jets at 10. And when I was watching him over the first time, I was in my head like, wow, like this looks like the best receiver in this class. But um, this is my first year doing scouting. I wasn't very confident in myself. I was like, okay, like I think that, but maybe am I just being dumb and falling in love with speed? And slowly but surely, I started seeing more um, people saying, yeah, he's number one um, despite injury. And now they're saying, yeah, even though the ACL, like, he should be the number one. Like, PFF has him as, I think, their eighth-ranked guy on their draft board, but definitely the first wide receiver on their draft board. And I'm like, yes, like, this is what I thought. I'm kind of excited because I feel like I was a bit early on that. Um, And, yeah, so I think pairing him up in Atlanta – he doesn't have like also a at least not yet a true like x ability he's more of like a secondary guy just because he's um he's got to develop a bit more of the route running and nuances of being like a hundred target hundred reception sort of guy but he doesn't need to be that in atlanta especially not this year with marcus Mariota and a bad offensive line um he can just be the deep threat with kyle pitts being the main target share if Calvin Ridley comes back, that one, two, three, that could be one of the best receiving units in the league. We'll see what happens with Calvin Ridley. But, yeah, I just think this would be, like, a great pickup for Atlanta. And then number nine, I have the Seattle Seahawks actually trading down with the Washington Commanders. So Seattle is going to receive um, pit, the first round pick 111 or 11 um, in the second round pick 47. And then Washington's going to receive um, pick 9, and then third round, 72, and fourth round, 109. Um, my first time kind of really messing around with trades. I just did a trade value chart and did what was as even as I could really get it without just throwing in all these tiny little picks to get the number exact, you know. Um, but the commanders trade up to grab Drake London. So I don't think... As I said before, I don't think Drake London is the number one receiver in this class, but he's a damn good one. Um, he's big body. He was he had like a thousand yards in eight games at USC. Just crazy amount of production, just being targeted like crazy. Um, but he's not just a big body. Just go up and get it like JJ Arcega Whiteside from a couple years ago. No, he has route running nuances. He's able to get open, just kind of like little subtle things, um, in both short and deep game too. Like he'll on nine routes he'll like fake a little head nod and that will get the corner to jump and he has the speed still despite being six five and not crazy speed i think he's like four five but he's still fast enough where if you you give him that little fake he's going to be able to get by you and then in the underneath game he's really um, good at like bodying out and getting between the defender and the ball get that little short yard catch kind of like what michael thomas does is slants um We'll see if he's used to in that role in Washington, but in, with main reason why I did this, it was Carson Wentz's best season. He had Nelson Aguilar and um, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, that's his name. And I think that Drake London can be his Jeffrey and Terry McLaurin can be like his Aguilar, but then both, I believe, are going to be even better. So if you're Washington, you have to put all the pieces around Carson Wentz to succeed. You see what happens when things fall apart around him. He falls apart too. And you also have to show him like, hey, we're committed to you. We're trading up to get you a guy who we think you're going to pair very well with. They want to get ahead of the Jets just in case the Jets are eyeing him. Um, And yeah, so I think this would be a really smart move by Washington. You don't give up too much. Yeah, it kind of sucks not having that second round pick, but then you get a third and a fourth round pick. So you get two picks instead. Um, and then, yeah, Seattle gets another second-round pick. That puts them at three in this draft, so I think it would be a win-win trade. At number 10, I have the New York Jets up again, So this time selecting Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Um, honestly, I think either way, if even if they weren't jumped by the commanders, New York would rather have Garrett Wilson than Drake London. Um, I think Garrett Wilson's got the highest chance out of everyone in this class of becoming a true number one X-type receiver, uh, a lot like Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson. It's not that he really has one thing he does exceptionally well, 
Like he is a really good route runner. That's probably if you had to say, okay, what is his best trait? It's probably route running. And you could say that about those two as well. But they're also fast. They aren't like crazy. They aren't Jameson Williams or Henry Ruggs from that draft class fast. But they're fast enough. Um, I think he ran like a 4.39. Like that's 4.38 maybe. That's still like a fast receiver. Um, he's not big, but he's not small. He's like six foot 185. He's still able to win at the catch point. He's able to make contested catches. And as I said, he's a really solid route runner. So I think he... he if he develops into a number one here, you have him as a number one. Um, Corey Davis, who, as we saw in Tennessee, is best as a role as a number two. And then Rondell Moore as your number three slot type, gimmicky type, sort of guy. So I think you're putting a really good unit around Zach Wilson to succeed. And this offensive line is improved even off of a year ago, especially off two years ago, though. They're just throwing resources at it and frankly i believe it's working you also have michael carter in the backfield this offense is going to be at least if you add garrett wilson to it i believe is at least going to be a top 15 offense in the league which is a lot better than what we could have said about a year ago and then adding cave on table to getting better defense the jets have a lot of young good pieces and i don't think people are really talking about that enough especially if they hit on these two draft picks like I don't think they make the playoffs next year, but I could very easily see them in two years' times being a, um, like, yeah, this this is going to, like, kind of like the Bengals, like, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. They're just too talented not to. So at pick 11 now, where Seattle traded down to, I have them selecting Trayvon Walker, the edge out of Georgia. Um, obviously, I think they're thinking about this at nine. They're thinking about quarterback here because they're like, okay, like, Drew Locke. But with Trayvon Walker kind of slipping, it's like, this is... A great place for him to land you know Seattle likes to take these very um athletic kind of developmental t- sort of guys especially on defense we saw that with Brooks we saw that with another guy a couple years ago I can't even remember his name I don't even think he's on the team anymore um they just kind of shoot for the stars with these guys and I think Trayvon Walker is the type of guy you want to shoot for the stars for like there's rumors right now of him going number one number two number three number four just if he falls to 11 right now, I think a lot of people will be shocked, but I, I wouldn't entirely be just because he doesn't have the production to back up what he did. And he had all these helps along the Georgia defensive line. So it's like, why wasn't he just this absolute game wrecker? But a lot of that is he was just asked to do what Georgia wanted him to do. He didn't have a lot of true pass sets. And in those true pass rushing opportunities, he wasn't the most effective. But he has all the tools where it's like, okay, but why isn't he? And if he goes to Seattle, maybe he can learn how to develop that and become reach his ceilings. That's obviously what Seattle's shooting for here right now. Like, he's not day one impact. He's not going to be better than maybe the rest of the edges picked in this draft. But he has the upside to be that. So that's why he has the upside to be like a Khalil Mack, um, Miles Garrett sort of level of pass rusher so that's why you should take that at 11 and then number 12 i have the minnesota vikings selecting trent mcduffie i'm pretty sure i did this in my last two as well it's just this is the perfect spot for him to land like minnesota needs cornerback desperately and um mcduffie's one of the best corners in this draft he's on the smaller side but the nfl is kind of like okay like but can you cover like it's becoming a lot less physical of a, of a league on the outside and you see that with smaller wide receivers and smaller cornerbacks across the league. Um, so I think, especially in Minnesota, he should excel. And he'll learn from Patrick Peterson. Like, obviously, different body type. Probably different, definitely different skill set, too. Um, Peterson's more of a man's corner, while McDuffie's more of this off-coverage zone corner. But maybe it could also help him learning from Peterson, learning things that he doesn't know. And, Yeah. At 13, I have the Houston Texans selecting Kyle Hamilton. And just like Trayvon Walker, I feel like this guy's going to slip a bit and it's going to be shocking, especially because last time I was putting him at number two overall, I definitely was buying into the hype a little bit. He, There's only so much value a slower safety can bring, and I think Kyle Hamilton's still going to bring all that value, but it's not like number two overall, maybe not even top 10, especially if you, we saw a couple years ago Derwin James falling out all the way down to 17 um safety are just valued like or just less valuable of a position because they're there kind of just to wrap up and protect against 
mess ups from the front end other than in like cover four obviously you're covering like the middle of the field cover two you're covering like the deep stuff but a lot of the time like with tackling and stuff and he has good range he has good instincts but the one play against florida state where he comes like off camera to make the interception like yeah incredible play but he doesn't like it's not like he's making gonna make a play like that every single week he can't be out of position he's not always he overestimates how fast he is sometimes and but he is extremely smart he's able to read recognize route patterns that's how he's able to make the florida state pick so that's why he's still like a top 15 pick but maybe not a top 10 because just physically he he isn't as fast and rangy as we originally thought he was but he's still a 6-4 relatively good athlete at the safety position that i think um if he falls all the way to houston they're gonna be like okay well we were at least thinking about him at three so the fact that we're getting him at 13 is kind of crazy and then 14 i'm gonna go with the ravens selecting tyler linderbaum the center out of iowa um once again kind of like the lions pick i originally had them going with linderbaum and then i switched up like oh let's give him i think i put jordan davis here last time but i was like okay let's go back linderbaum like i just feel like even though the system is going to be different like he's going to go from a zone system at iowa to more of like a gap power system at in baltimore um Baltimore and Greg Roman was able to change their entire offense around Lamar Jackson to be um, better suit his skill sets and to take advantage of the unique athlete he is. I don't see why they can't just change a tiny bit of their blocking scheme to do the same for Tyler Linderbaum. Um, plus, he had his pro day numbers. They came in great. He was still... Um, wait, let's see if I can pull him up real quick because they were... He was over 300 pounds, which he didn't play at in college, but he still produced. Yeah, so he ran a sub-5 in the 40, um, put up 24 reps, 32.5-inch vert, which is third amongst offensive linemen, best for center, um, 9.25 or 9 feet 2.5 inch broad jump uh, 714 3 cone he still produced he showed that he's still this super athlete really explosive fast despite being 300 pounds and 300 pounds is still on the lighter side for a center but at least it's not like that 290 he was playing out at Iowa I feel like that was what was scaring teams off a lot and the fact that he showed up like hey look I put on weight and I'm still like one of the best athletes along the offensive line in general um, so I think that boosts his stock back up to where he could realistically get taken 14, maybe even higher. Um, and then next up, we have the Eagles at 15. Once again, another trade, trading with the Los Angeles Chargers. So I have the Eagles receiving um, the first round pick, the Chargers first round at 17, and then the third round pick, pick 79. And the Chargers receive pick 15 and the Eagles third round pick 101. So the Chargers are trading up to get ahead of the Saints and grab tackle Bernard Ryman. Um, honestly, I think this is kind of just a funny, would just be a funny outcome of this because the Saints trade with the Eagles to jump ahead of the Chargers and then the Chargers are like, ah, nah, 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 but like we can trade around a bit too, get ahead of you, um, grabbing the best remaining tackle and um, only giving up like a couple spots like I think it's like 20 spots in the draft in the third round um, so how you do this uh, Bernard Ryman he was, might not be better than Storm Norton in a pass protecting aspect right away um, hopefully he is I think he hopefully will be but Bernard Ryman's strength is in the run game and opening holes for um, Austin Eckler is hopefully going to help out this offense obviously and he has the upside he's only been playing tackle for i think two years maybe one year now um so he's the upside to develop and he will be a better pass protector as the years go on um definitely at least if you're the chargers you're banking on that making this move um and then yeah at 16 so the chargers got or the saints got jumped um 
they wanted to get a tackle and a wide receiver out of this draft. Obviously, they got jumped off the tackle that they wanted. So instead, they're going to go with wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Um, bring him in there. And I think Chris Olave has one of the highest upsides. Like, I'd probably say out of the receivers, Jameson Williams has the highest upside just because he has the speed and he's shown, like, good route running so far. And if he can put it all together, then, okay, this guy's just freaky athlete freaky speed and can also like get open like he's able to accelerate and decelerate so well for such a fast guy um chris olave is kind of like the light version of that like he's a fast guy but not quite jameson williams fast and but he might he's a better route runner as of right now um didn't face a lot of press coverage at ohio state so we'll see if that changes in the nfl and but it's kind of nice if he goes to see um New Orleans, he doesn't have to be the number one. That's one criticism of his game is like, okay, but can he be a number one? Like, um, he had Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, Jackson Smith Enigma. He never really had to be. He was almost never targeted on third down. Like, he just wasn't the, the guy they went to. So there's a question mark on whether or not he can be that in the NFL. But if he goes to the Saints and if Michael Thomas comes back, then he doesn't have to be that. And by the time Michael Thomas leaves, maybe, who knows, maybe he can be that. Um but either way, we'll just add the speed element to the Saints offense. You know, Jameis has a big arm. He likes to go deep. Chris Olave will help him do that. But he'll also be, um, as I said, one of the best route runners in this class, getting open underneath for Jameis and just upgrading the offense overall, especially if Michael Thomas isn't there. Um, so then the Eagles are now up. After trading up and trading back and trading around, they land at 17 and select Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback out of Clemson. Um, right now they're slated to start, I think, like Zach McPherson, opposite of uh, Darius Slay. And I just, if you have a talent like Booth there, I think you'd rather shoot on that. There's a lot of different places the Eagles can go, but I don't. I just honestly don't think the value for them is kind of crazy right here in the middle of the first round. Um, like Booth, I feel like, would drop a bit more. So I feel like it might be a bit of a reach to get him here. But you want to go with, um, one of you want to go with someone who will actually like change your defense. And I think Booth has the potential for that. Um, he's a very versatile corner. He played all different types of schemes at Clemson. Like he was playing press, he was playing off, kind of like Derek Singhau was saying that. Um, he has great ball skills. If you haven't seen the one-handed pick, I think it was last year that he made. Um, just like look up Andrew Booth interception. Like it will probably be the first thing that pops up. Um, and then under Darius Slay and in this defense, I feel like he can learn a lot, grow, and they already got, um, they re-signed Harris. I was kind of thinking of going with Daxon Hill here, but I think because they already got Harris and then they um, probably want to see what they got in Kayvon Wallace, um, Andrew Booth would be kind of like plug and play here. He's at least like a guaranteed starter. That's where you want to get out of the draft. And then with the 18th pick, I also have the Saints selecting Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Um, yeah, he's the best linebacker in the class right now. Um, big, can stuff the run. He's fast, athletic enough. Um, he's not the best cover linebacker. I'd probably still go with Nicobe Dean for that. But Dean is really small, really light. You see him engage with blockers, and he can't really get off of that. Devin Lloyd's going to not struggle in the NFL with that, I believe. Um, just a much stronger, bigger, more prototypical linebacker, but he also has above-average um, coverage abilities. He's kind of like Darius Leonard in a way, like, but minus like his ability to get the ball out and um, just force this crazy amount of turnovers. I don't think he's going to be like that, but he's going to be someone who's just always going to be in the running lanes and then also still be able to like get his hands on balls, get in between passing lanes, and be where the quarterback doesn't expect him to be. Um, and then at 19, I have the New Orleans Saints selecting Trevor Penning, the tackle out of Northern Iowa. Um, this is guy is just a nasty blocker, get in your face, knock you around, and um, I think the Saints kind of need to inject some of that into their offensive line. Like I've never really thought of them as like a nasty run-blocking team, but just imagine like Alvin Kamara running behind Trevor Penning, knocking people over in front of him. Um, that's just kind of exciting. And right now they have James Hurst at tackle, and wouldn't be the worst thing for him if he were to start but if you can get a talent like trevor penning i think it's like okay yeah like he, he you can go with that 
Um, and then at 20, I have Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty. Um, once again, this is a what I would do mock draft, and I just don't really feel like any of these quarterbacks are worth trading up and giving additional resources for. Um, I did consider quarterback at a couple positions. Uh, Seahawks, I considered. Texans, I feel like, could be like a sneaky quarterback team. Like, no one's really talking about that getting quarterback, but what if all the top talents are gone and Malik Willis or um, Sam Howell is sitting for, there for them at 13? I'd be entirely surprised if they um, pulled the trigger on that. But in this scenario, I have the Steelers going with him. Um, yeah, I've done this in both of my other mock drafts, too. The Steelers and Malik Willis just seem like a really good fit right now. Um, they need a quarterback right now with Ben retiring, and you'd, I don't think um, Mitch Trubisky is going to be the future there at all. So you get the future in. He can sit behind a year, learn from Mitch Trubisky. Don't know how valuable that will be, but we'll see. And um, next year's time, come in, throw him in, and hopefully the development worked. Um, he's got a lot to work on in his game, but all the physical talent is there. He's got the strongest arm in the class. He's the fastest in this class. If he came out at running back, he'd probably still be like a third-round pick and then just throw it on a bazooka of an arm. So that's why he's being discussed as all the way high as number two overall. All right. And then number 21, I have the New England Patriots selecting the edge, George Karloftis, out of Purdue. Um... I feel like George is a very, or Karloftis is a very New England player. He's very inside-outside versatility. He's got all this pass rushing moves that he knows. You see him use them, but he um, he hasn't really perfected any of them. He needs to kind of like hone in and be like, okay, like this is going to be like my go-to. He doesn't have that yet, but you can see that he is a very smart player learning how to use his hands and all that, but he's also strong and fast and gonna be a very solid edge rusher that i wouldn't be surprised if he went higher than this that's just kind of like the next spot where i saw him um because i kind of thought about him at the eagles i thought about him a bit earlier too but um i just thought his best fit would be here with new england versus some of those other teams he didn't fit kind of like if i had him go with the eagles they already have like four other edge rushers so when's he going to get the time to play um so yeah, i think new england would be loving this they might even probably not trade up for Karloftis, but if he fell into the laps, they're going to be like, oh, yes, thank God. Like, he's going to be a just not really a game worker at the next level, but him and Jude on together, like, it's just going to be a great duo. And then at 22, the Green Bay Packers, I have selected George Pickens, the wide receiver out of Georgia. Um, this is the pick that they got in the Devontae Adams trade, and they need to get a receiver to replace Devontae Adams. And if anyone's going to do that out of the remaining guys, I think it's George Pickens. Um... He looked like it, kind of same thing as Dean Lee. He looked like a um, future top five pick as a 19-year-old. But then he tears his ACL, misses his entire um, junior year, except for the very end, and he just doesn't look the same at the end. So you're kind of like, okay, like is this going to be the true wide receiver that we think he is? And I think you got to gamble and say yes. Um, he started coming along more towards the end of the season, and if you just... He's got the most, like, some of the most crazy catches you'll see at the side on the sidelines at the college level. Like his ability to keep the feet in bound, like, just something to fall in love with. Julio Jones, just Centennial Holmes esque, um, and so I feel like that back shoulder connection. If he works on that with Rogers, it's going to be the same thing. He's going to be able to get that feel down with him really well um, if he puts the effort in, and he's got the upside of. Um, he's probably got the highest like x upside of this class like i said james jameson williams can be like this crazy receiver because he's got the speed but i think of a true x i think george pickens got the highest um yeah just like the highest ability and he's also got a solid floor as long as the injuries don't hit that's the only problem if the injuries do hit him then yeah obviously he doesn't have the highest floor but um yeah i think the Packers need to get a wide receiver one, and I'm not sure if any other guy back here can really give you that skill set and talent. Um, so at 23, I have the Arizona Cardinals selecting interior defensive lineman Jordan Davis. Um, just a mammoth of a man. Throw him in the middle of the defense and not worry about the run. Um, hopefully he can develop some of the pass rushing skills. He's saying that he's working on it, like putting in practice, and I feel like towards the end of the season, you kind of saw him becoming a bit more relevant in the passing game but 
his problem is he can't stay on the field for super long and you worry about that like you're spending a first round pick on this guy and he's only going to play 25 snaps a game you kind of want to get more bang for your buck but Arizona really needs help across the middle like they've been super squishy offense and defense for the past couple years and Jordan Davis alone will change that because you're going to have to double team him every single run allowing your other guys um, to hopefully penetrate get some TFLs and just help out your whole defense and then with 24 I have the Dallas Cowboys selecting Zion Johnson the guard out of Boston College um, he is probably the second best behind Tyler Lindenbaum, who was just crazy in college. So, yeah, definitely the second best interior offensive line prospect in this class. Super good, super solid all around. Um, bit shorter, only six six three, but he has the positional uh, flexibility to play from center to tackle, which you love to see. Um, the fact that he has that skill set, and especially if you're Dallas. Um, there's no guarantee that Dar- Terrence Steele is going to be the one you want starting at tackle. So Zion Johnson being there also maybe to be like, okay, like, hey, you can put him at outside at tackle too. You don't just have to throw him in left guard for uh, Connor McGovern. Or I think that's who the guard is. I don't know. Um, but yeah, either way, you want to upgrade at least one of those spots if you're Dallas. And Zion gives you the opportunity to upgrade either one, depending on which one's weaker. And then at 25, the Bills are going to select Devontae Wyatt, the interior defensive lineman out of Georgia. Kind of what I said about Arizona. They've been squishy up the middle for a bit. Um, Devontae Wyatt isn't going to help that as much, though. He's not much of a... He's not as much of, like, a run stuffer. But hopefully he can bring some more pass rush juice up the middle. You're really hoping to get that with Ed Oliver. Very shocked that that didn't end up being the case. Like, he seemed like he was going to be one of the best defensive tackles for years to come. But that hasn't developed yet and so i think you need to grab Devonta wide just to add a little bit more of that juice in the middle um, at 26 i have the tennessee titans selecting tyler smith out of tulsa um once again one of these guys with the tackle guard versatility he played left tackle in college um here he'd either be playing right tackle or right guard um, so hopefully he's able to make that switch but out of tulsa small school guy only 20 years old coming out you never really see that especially out of offensive linemen um coming from small schools at such a young age but that's how you know this guy like this guy's got it the agents are telling him like hey like you're gonna go early like that's why you declare now and um yeah he's got the ability as i said to play guard or tackle which helps because you also have dylan ray dunes who is kind of the same way like oh is he gonna play guard or tackle so you kind of let him battle it out for the two positions and put out whatever the best offensive line is for ryan Tannehill and derrick henry um, at 27, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting Sam Howell, the quarterback out of UNC. Um, this is the same as my last time, um, my last mock draft. I just really fell in love with this idea. Like, Once again, as I said last time, you can grab a guard. You can grab um, Kevin Green out of Texas A&M if you really want. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, no, we got a really good offensive line in front of Tom Brady, who always makes his offensive line better. So, like, why invest the resources like that into it? Especially seeing you got Shaq Mason for a fifth-round pick. Like, oh, yay, we got a guard. Um, or you can have Sam Howell, who could be the future of your franchise. Like, Tom Brady already showed he kind of wants out. He wants to go to <laughs> Miami or whatever that was all about. Either way, he at least considered not playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as a front office, you have to be like, hey, like, this is probably our last season with Tom Brady. Like, let's get, um, let's get playing for the future. Like, I don't think... Kyle Trask is your future there. So grab Sam Howell. He's got as high, if not higher, of an upside than Malik Willis. Like, he's shown to be able to play in multiple different offensive systems. One that was like four verts only, one that was all RPO. And he would look good in both of them. Like, yeah, you were really hoping he take, took the next step and solidified himself as a top five pick um, in this past college season. And he didn't. But you. Like, he had all this NFL talent leave. I'm pretty sure his offensive coordinator left, too. Just all this stuff fell apart around him. And he still at least produced. Like, you saw the production out of him. Yeah, he wasn't crazy. But he has the arm talent. He has the mobility. Um, he kind of just turned into this, like, Josh Allen-esque guy running people over, which he wasn't like before. But, you know, he has that in him, obviously. And that next level, oh, the guys are going to be bigger. You want to slide rather than try to truck at the goal line. But... Um, 
he's got that heart in him too if he's going to be running guys over like he's not just oh i'm the quarterback i'm gonna throw the ball and not get dirty like no he wants to win he wants to he'll put his body on the line for it and if you're tampa bay put him behind tom brady let him learn like the mental side of the game and i feel like sam howell can do that as he kind of showed his ability to pick up the rpo offense pretty fast like put him behind brady and have him absorb all that knowledge and then have the super toolsy raw guy have the processor come next year like i just i think you need to swing for the fences here if you're tampa bay because you aren't going to be with that roster even with a bad quarterback um I don't think you guys are going to be drafting high enough where you can replace him. Like, you're going to be outside the top 10 and you aren't going to be able to get this high upside guy. Um, yeah. And then 28, I have the Green Bay Packers selecting the edge, Jermaine Johnson, out of Florida State. Um, they let go of Zadarius Smith, and I just think this uh, Jermaine can be a replacement for that. He was a um, transferred out of Georgia to get more playing time, so you're kind of like, okay, like he had to transfer away, but then he exploded at Florida State, and you see all these guys exploding at Georgia, and it's like, okay, so yeah, it kind of makes sense why he wanted to get out and show that he can have more production, and he proved it. And then at the Senior Bowl, he was the best edge rusher there. Um, stock's going up even more. And Green Bay likes to keep a rotation with their edge rushers. You saw that with the two Smiths and Gary last year. And so without when, without Zedaria Smith, now though and Jermaine Johnson kind of have like a similar role for him. Um, 29, I have the Kansas City Chiefs selecting Sky Moore, um, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Um, I believe, so you replace Tyreek Hill with three guys if you're going to go this route. You have MBS replacing kind of the deep ball, um, just throw it up and he'll catch it sort of deal. Um, MBS got the speed, he's got the size. Um, obviously Tyreek Hill didn't have the size, but he had just this unreal, like, when the ball's in the air, somehow he's still going to come down with it. So MBS will hopefully bring some of that just because he has the size to do it. Um, Juju's going to bring the slot aspect that Tyreek Hill gave you. And then Sky Moore's going to give you kind of like the yak and... Um, the 5'10 guy who shouldn't be an outside receiver but is somehow really good at it um i just think if you're kansas city you want to moneyball it you want to recreate him in the aggregate like you don't have tyree kill anymore but you can recreate all of his skill sets especially if you bring in skymore to be that last missing piece on it and then with your next pick at 30 you draft um, nick benito the edge out of oklahoma um once again, Kansas City Chiefs, and I think if you don't go one offense, one defense here, or if you don't at least address the edge rusher or corner, um, I think that would be silly. I'll, I would even understand if you went edge rusher and corner and just ignored wide receiver. Um, just Kansas City is really weak at on defense right now, and yeah, their offense can historically has been able to kind of like make up for those differences but without Tyreek Hill like are they still going to be able to do that and I don't think so and I think Nick Benito has the highest upside of any edge rusher remaining on the board so you go with him um speed rusher guy definitely should put on a bit of weight so he can add that power aspect to his game right now he's just all speed and you kind of worry like okay so is he going to be Von Miller or is he going to be Vic Beasley you know um hopefully more towards the Von Miller side Von Miller added power to his game and that's why he was able to do that um, you, you hope to see that out of Nick Benito too and then um, him and Flank Clark along the edge and then Chris Jones in the middle much improved pass rush there versus just Chris Jones and Frank Clark because that's just Chris Jones <laughs> and at 31 I have the Bengals selecting Kyler Gordon um, people keep talking about how Ahmad Gardner's never let up a touchdown and Kyler Gordon hasn't either like yeah he didn't play as many snaps um let me get his snaps up here. Okay. So Gordon played played 369 snaps, 134, and then 797. But he's still like and all of his snaps never allowed a touchdown throughout his career. Um, and unlike 
Sauce, who was he was playing across Kobe Bryant, Nico Thorpe like really good corner. Um, Gordon was playing across from Trent McDuffie, who is the better out of the two of them. So he was he had forty targets, didn't give up a single touchdown. He only gave up like two hundred. Let's see. 243 yards given up 51% completion percentage like I started hearing more like hey Kyler Gordon could be a guy to sneak into the back end of the first round and I was like really like I, I didn't really believe him and looking into it watched a bit more tape watched saw just how he was despite being the guy targeted more he was still a pretty lockdown corner in his own right like without Washington defense was nasty um, and yeah I think if you're Bengals You'd much rather have Kyler Gordon than Eli Apple. Like, Kyler Gordon already ha- has shown to be, like, an ideal number two. Um, Chidobia Wuzier can stay as your number one. You got Mike Hilton in the slot. Like, that's one of the best secondaries in the league if you get Kyler Gordon. Like, there's not really... Your weakest link, I would then say, is Von Bell, who is still, like, at least, like, an average safety, you know? Like, that's... If your weakest link is Von Bell, that's a damn good secondary. And, yeah, so... And I have at 32, the Detroit Lions making my last trade. So I have three trades in the fr- this first round. Um, it's kind of tough to do trade just because it's like, oh, like, I feel like a lot of these teams are going to want to be trading backwards, but not like trading up. Like they don't really want to be giving up future capital for a lot of these players. Um, or at least I, I feel like myself, like I don't want to be giving up extra shots in the draft for some of these players, you know? But if you're Seattle, I think you want to go in and try to get that fifth-year option for a quarterback. Um, so Seattle's going to get Detroit's first-round pick, 32. Um, the, their third-round pick, 66, and third-round, 97. And Detroit's going to receive um, pick 40, uh, 47, which Seattle received from Washington, both second-round picks, and then fifth-round, 152. Um, and Seattle's going to select quarterback Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Um, I think Ritter is a guy not being talked about enough in this first round conversation like he's a lot of people like fourth fifth quarterback down but he was able to lead Cincinnati to the college football playoffs like I know there was a lot of that in, went into that um, obviously their defense was crazy Alex Pierce was really good um, Mike Leach his coaching his recruitment There was a lot that went into Cincinnati making the playoffs, but at the end of the day, this is a group of five school making the playoffs. You have to have a good quarterback to do that. You have to have a good leader, someone who can turn the program around. Desmond Ritter could have left when Mike Leach came in. He could have been like, nah, like I'm going to go and, um, I don't know, like, that's not his name, huh? I don't think. Luke Fickle, sorry, not Mike Leach. Mike Leach is the NC State guy. Um, so yeah, he, Desmond Ritter could have left when Luke Fickle came in, and but he stayed. He was like, no, I'm going to stay, and he wasn't guaranteed the starting spot, but he's like, no, I'm going to work for it, going to get it, and he got it. Um, and he won a lot of games. He's one of the most winningest quarterbacks in college football history, um, and that's something that just is important. Like, yeah, he doesn't have... Malik Willis's arms or speed and he doesn't have Kenny Pickett's accuracy. He's not the most accurate quarterback. Um, there was a lot of times where I was like, ooh, like dude, probably, like, should I hit that? Um, watching his tape and that was really disappointing to see because I really like the rest of his game. He's fast. He's not crazy fast, but he's still like, he's athletic enough to make it happen. He's a lot, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill, honestly. But then with like Jimmy Garoppolo's accuracy, so obviously that's not the best com- combination. But if you can work on the accuracy, which is something that teams have been able to do these past couple seasons, you saw it with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, teams are just um, able to kind of like rework little mechanics in quarterbacks' games to get accuracy, which they haven't been able to do before. So I think that's why Desmond Ritter is then vaulted into this first round conversation because you take Ryan Tannehill in the first round, right? Yeah, so that's going to do it for my mock draft. Um, let me know what you guys think. Do you guys like the decision I made with the teams? Do you think any of your teams should have traded up, traded down, drafted someone else? Um, 
leave a like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube, leave reviews if you're on Apple uh, Music, Spotify, anything like that. Um, you can write in through email, um, the Forward Progress Foot Forward Progress Football Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at FBF underscore podcast or my personal Twitter, Z A C P A R D I. Um, and yeah, catch you guys next week on Thursday, draft day in the morning. If you want to tune in early for that, I'll make sure to get it out to so watch it and then um, compare what happens in the night. And take it easy, guys. See you later.